everybody, and welcome to the Proton Pack Podcast. I'm Christian, and with me as always is the Ernie to my Bert, Tony. Hey, Bert. <laughs> How's it going, Tone? Good, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. A uh, lot to cover this episode. Uh, you know, we thought there was a ton last week with San Diego Comic-Con. Um, the news just keeps coming out, so uh, we've got a lot to get into. Might as well get right into it. We might as well, man. This uh, is uh, this is awesome to be back for episode two. Number two. And we appreciate everybody who has been uh, listening uh, to number one. Uh, we love the feedback. We love the engagement that we're getting. Uh, keep it coming. Spread the word. And uh, we'll try and keep these uh, episodes as entertaining as possible for you. Absolutely. Shout out to Cody in uh, South Dakota for the fan mail and the Ninja Turtles stickers. Nice. Nice. Yeah, first fan mail, baby, first fan mail. Very cool, very cool. All right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and get right on into it. Uh, First piece of news is a word coming from Kevin Smith. Now, Tony and I are both Kevin Smith fans, uh, starting with Clerks, uh, working our way up to Chasing Amy, Mallrats. Um, Some of the later movies, not as big a fan of, but, uh, you know, still enjoy the projects that he does, love his podcasts. And uh, he just tweeted out, put out on Instagram, uh, a message that uh, has us excited and wondering. And so that message was, I just finished a huge writing gig that I haven't talked about publicly yet. It's the most massive IP I've ever been allowed to play with. And if the powers that be decide to move forward with the project, it would be the biggest budgeted anything I've ever done. Wish me luck. And so... uh, you know, that got us thinking, what could it be? Well, my first thought was um, maybe it's uh, Marvel. Maybe it's take over now that James Gunn's not doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Like, is he going to step into that role? Um, is he, He's always been a bit, he's been tied to a lot of DC things. Maybe yep. it's DC. I mean, that's at least that's my thought based off reading a tweet like that. Yeah, I mean, that was my thought process at first, too. However, he did uh, reply to somebody else who responded to his initial uh, outreach. Uh, You know, somebody had asked, uh, taking over for Guardians, uh, James Gunn, and Kevin Smith replied back to that, saying, I'm not talented, wow, it's going to be one of those podcasts, all right. Uh, I'm not (laughs) talented enough to carry James's lunch, let alone the amazing movies he's made. No, it's not a Marvel thing. It's not a DC thing. Not a Star Wars or Trek thing. Not comic books at all. If it moves forward, I won't stop talking about it. But for now, just had to mark this moment. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's everything. I guess we'll see. So, uh, I mean, knowing that information, um, boy, I mean, it could be anything. Could be. Is he going to be... Is he going to be writing for a WWE? Is he going to be a wrestling writer? <laughs> probably Snoochie not. <laughs> Brody man. <laughs> that I probably wouldn't expect to see him in. But, yeah, I mean, there's lots of other IPs out there. Now, the question is, what form will it take? Will it take a uh, comedy? You know, will he be doing a reboot of... Uh, you know, a lethal weapon or a you know, BJ and the bear, um, TJ hooker, uh, you know, who knows? Or is it uh, something horror related, which uh, he's been doing quite a bit, a lot. 
no, please no. And I'm 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 in the same boat there. No. You know, uh, I know he has been working on a. Um, uh, horror television shows, some sort of project that uh, is sort of an anthology series where each uh, episode is different, similar to like a Tales from the Crypt or a, a Twilight Zone. But uh, that is not what I believe he's talking about here. No, no. It's got to be something big that we're all <laughs> familiar with and we're all going to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that, that's my thought process on that. So... No, it's go so ahead. Hard to, it's so hard to think, though. Like when you think IPs, I mean, instantly you you gravitate to comic books or uh, Disney or Marvel or anything like that. And I don't know, man. It's uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see. I, I can't wait to uh, start hearing. I hope it moves forward for him. Yeah, I do too. So we'll keep our eyes posted to Twitter and Instagram. Let you know what we're able to find out on that. Uh, moving on from Kevin Smith, uh, the next big, big bit of host news that came out this week is that uh, AMC has officially uh, reinstated Chris Hardwick um, after the allegations of sexual assault and emotional abuse on his ex-girlfriend, Chloe Dykstra. Uh, this... She wanted to touch me, and I was like, don't touch me tonight. I'm tired. <laughs> We don't know if that's how it went down, but uh, in any case, uh, AMC issued a statement uh, saying, following a comprehensive assessment by AMC, working with the firm Loeb & Loeb, who has considerable experience in this area, Chris Hardwick will return to AMC as the host of Talking Dead and Talking with Chris Hardwick. We take these matters very seriously, and given the information available to us after very careful review, including interviews with numerous individuals, we believe returning Chris to work is the appropriate step. So, I mean, on a personal level, I'm glad to see uh, he's essentially been cleared by an independent bureau um, and coming back to work. The reality of it is that none of us really know what happened in this relationship. There's only two people who know. It's his word versus hers. And the tough thing is that in the state of affairs that we're in right now, everybody is automatically jumping to the worst case scenario. People are getting fired for what is hopefully no reason at all. Um, but again, like I said, we have no way of truly knowing but it seems that AMC did their homework, they did an investigation, and they feel confident enough that bringing Chris Hardwick back um, is the right move for them. Yeah, this is the first. This is the first time that we've seen someone. Well, maybe not the first first well known one where it's, you know, it's part of that Me Too movement. And I mean, that stuff's serious. But it's just crazy how how many people have just all of a sudden been getting in trouble for things from the past and. You know, and and the things that happened to him with an ex girlfriend, it just how it all came about, and you know how he was taken off, and all, and he had to miss Comic Con as the, you know, the host and moderator of the big uh, Hall H events and stuff. And happy to see that he's going to get another chance. It's always, you know, there's always two sides to the story. It's easy to paint someone as the villain and say, oh, they did all this stuff and they're bad, and but. There's, like I said, there's two sides, you know, everyone's quick to judge, but, you know, that person at least deserves a chance to speak and try to, you know, defend their character and 
I'm really happy AMC went the good route there and uh, gave Chris Hardwick another shot. So, yeah, you know, I believe that uh, you know it should be innocent until proven guilty. Um, and unfortunately, as seems the case uh, recently, it's more guilty until proven innocent. Um, but again, you know, like I said, we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, Hardwick had a number of people, ex-girlfriends, uh, friends who have stepped forward and said, this is not the person that we know. But uh, again, you know, we can't speculate on what really happened. All we can do is report the news and uh, that we're glad that uh, Chris Hardwick is coming back. Yeah, I, I'm excited for, uh, for um, him to be back on Talking Dead and... He's a big part of that after show, and I mean, we'll see how season nine goes, so it should be interesting. Yeah, and so I've been uh, watching my uh, podcast uh, feed, and he does a podcast called ID10T, and uh, he hasn't popped back up on there yet, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if he continues to take some time away from that for a while, um, or if he pops back up on there uh, around the same time as The Walking Dead, or The Talking Dead, sorry. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on from that, uh, next thing is uh, looking forward to a new series that's coming out uh, this upcoming month on Netflix. It's from uh, Simpsons and Futurama creator Matt Groening. Uh, it's called Disenchantment. And uh, it's an animated show. Um, looks very much in the vein of a Futurama Simpsons type um, um uh, cartoon, but uh, takes place in the medieval world of Dreamland and follows uh, three characters, uh, Princess Bean, a demon named Lucy, and Elfo, um, you know, as they work Elfo. their way through <laughs> through this land, uh, this Dreamland. Um, recently, there was an interview with the executive producer, Josh Weinstein, and uh, voice actor Eric Andre, and uh, they were talking about the DNA of the show and how, uh, you know, half of the staff are, you know, previously from The Simpsons and Futurama, but then the other half of the staff are young writers from, like, Gravity Falls. And that, uh, you know, it's a style of humor that's uh, a little more evolved than, uh, you know, what they may have had previously. The other thing they talked about is the storytelling. So being on Netflix, they're not relegated to a 22-minute episode uh, that has to have um, sponsors and commercials and all of that. So they can make the episodes as long as they want, 35 minutes. They can explore things. And they're looking at doing an overall story arc that uh, encompasses each season. So uh, I know you've seen the, uh, the trailer's tone. Uh, what do you think? Oh, I'm excited for it. I'm a huge Simpsons fan. Um still love the Simpsons to this day. Um, I, I like that the, that the elf looks just like Bart. Right. <laughs> he's like, he's a green Bart Simpson is what he looks like. Um, huge fan of Futurama. I actually, to be honest with you, Futurama, I enjoyed more than the Simpsons cause it followed, you know, a different, well, obviously a different story cause it's a different show, but how it took place in the future and a lot of relevant pop culture stuff. And it was able to get away with more than what The Simpsons could. So Absolutely, yeah. Being being on Netflix where you're a free, you have that freedom to be more adult. You can touch on things more than you could say on network TV. Uh, Matt Groening is talented beyond 
beyond belief. And then seeing who he's got for uh, for cast and crew on here, I've noticed like it doesn't say what episodes, but you know, like you said, bringing some of the Simpsons characters back, like Trace, you know, Tress McNeil is going to be in an episode. Billy oh, no West. kidding. Yeah, Billy West is going to be a voice in one of the episodes. Uh, John DiMaggio. So you know, there's Fry and uh, Bender right there, and you've got other well-known people like David Herman and. Uh, that's all I really recognize on the list uh, from other Simpsons and uh, Futurama lore, but uh, excited. Um, the, the artwork looks fun. It, the whole fact it takes place in a fantasy world is is cool. Um, I could rant and rave long-winded Tony here, but <laughs> Disenchantment looks fantastic. I can't wait for it to drop on Netflix uh, August 17th. Is that yeah. what it drops? Yeah. yeah, we don't have to wait long. So uh, just a couple weeks. It's going to be 10 episodes, uh, at least for the first season, and all 10 episodes will be available on August 17th. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to be binging it and probably watching all 10 episodes in a single sitting. Yeah, me too. Um, so that way we can at least review it and have uh, we'll have some talks on it. We'll start to uh, over time on this podcast. There'll be there'll be weeks where there won't be so much news, and uh, we'll have more time, and we can actually just rant and rave about a show. And this is definitely a show. I'm hoping it's positive. It looks great. Um, hopefully, we're not like, oh man, remember on episode two we were so excited, and man, that show sucks. <laughs> it doesn't look sucky. The preview no. it looks great. It looks awesome. No, and we'll post the trailer on our Facebook page um, just in case you need that uh, location again. It's facebook.com forward slash Proton Pack Podcast. Uh, three times fast. I know. Between Ooh. last week and this week, uh, we've gotten a huge following on uh, Facebook, so we were actually able to assign a uh, custom URL to it. So, uh, yeah. We can officially say we're Proton Pack Podcast on Facebook. So find us there. So grab your Proton Pack and let's spin. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving from Netflix to Hulu um, is a TV. Who? Star Lord, man. Um, is a TV series that was just released on Hulu last week. Uh, they've released the first three episodes of it. And then uh, starting tomorrow, which is August 1st, I don't know if they're going to be releasing them one at a time or three at a time, whatever it's going to be, but is an amazing new series called Castle Rock. It's from Stephen King and J.J. Abrams, so you already know with those two names, it's, it's going to be fantastic. It's an anthology series, sort of along the lines of um, American Horror Story where each season's going to be a different plot line, different story. But uh, the neat thing with this is that they basically take a number of the properties and characters and worlds of Stephen King and weave them all into this one uh, story, this town. And it's, it's amazing. Like I said, if you have Hulu, it's well worth checking out the first three episodes. Genuinely scary. Um, takes place at Shawshank Prison, uh, which is in this fictional town of Castle Rock. They find uh, this kid who's been locked up into a cage. Nobody knows who he is or where he's from. And that uh, the only thing he has to say is the name of a boy who had gone missing back when he was 11. 
was later on found and then uh, has become a lawyer since he grew up and is brought back to this town. And uh, it's good. I mean, it is a good series. I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out yet, Tone. I haven't actually i'll have to re-up my hulu subscription i let it go so oh you um, did <laughs> yeah I'll have, to re-up, I'll have to re-up it to try i mean i'm looking at the cast here you've got uh bill skarsgård pennywise on there yep as a shawshank uh, shawshank prisoner and then you got john locke aka terry o'quinn on there and <laughs> uh-huh. uh, sissy spacek um so um i'm reading the storyline on it and uh definitely seems very interesting and like you said typically if you put anything with um with uh when with a stephen king or uh definitely a jj abrams you can expect uh good things i mean for the most part i i can't think of why it wouldn't be good <laughs> no it, it's really good and then especially if you're a stephen king fan i'm a big fan i've read the books growing up obviously seen all the movies uh but it's fun to sort of pick things out from the series that relate back to um, the different characters and stories of, uh, of Stephen King. Awesome. Well, I will check it out, especially uh, if they're putting out one episode a week or so. That's looks like they have 10 episodes for season one. So that's the plan. Like I said, yeah, they've had three episodes released so far. The next episode is supposed to be tomorrow, August 1st. Uh, but again, I don't know if they're doing it one at a time or if they're going to be doing it three at a time or if they're just going to release the rest of the season. Couldn't tell yet. Gotcha. All right. Uh, moving from one J.J. Abrams project to another, uh, we both recently went out and saw uh, Mission Impossible, which we'll review here in few minutes so stay tuned there but uh, one of the trailers that I saw that I really wasn't expecting was for a new J.J. Abrams um, produced movie uh, called Overlord and uh, you know it starts out as a traditional World War II flick um, you know planes uh, you know going over the Pacific and then uh it takes a quick turn. It uh, very quickly becomes evident that Overlord is a true horror movie, which uh, it, it looks cool. You know, it's uh, um, written by Billy Ray, who wrote Captain Phillips, and uh, Mark Smith, who wrote The Revenant. So you've got a couple people who have some uh, drama gravitas behind them, uh, obviously produced by J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot. And then it was rumored for quite a while that um, Overlord was going to be the fourth installment in the Cloverfield franchise. And so, uh, you know, on Netflix last year, they released uh, Cloverfield Paradox. I haven't had a chance to check that out yet. I I really want to. But uh, the other first two Cloverfield movies were fantastic. Um, They're disputing that this has anything to do with Cloverfield. But at the same time, you never know. They may be throwing a curveball at us, and this may be the uh, Cloverfield prequel um, to everything else that's come out since. Yeah, I think based off the trailer and, and just reading the storyline about it, it's it's kind of like a Call of Duty, you know, like the zombie mode. It, like when you go in and you fight Nazi zombies, it's that, that's kind of what it sounds like a live action. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Not Nazi zombies, you know. D-Day, American paratroopers are dropped behind enemy lines to carry out a mission, but then they uh, encounter a Nazi-occupied village. Um, 
against supernatural forces. So should be cool. I, I mean, the trailer looks awesome. And, and again, you can uh, check that out on our uh, Proton Pack podcast page and uh, see it for yourself. Exactly. Looks like they're also releasing it in IMAX. So, uh, you know, they're definitely investing uh, some cinemagraphic uh, quality into uh, this movie. Cinemagraphic. I don't even know if that's a word, but hey, if it's not, I just made it up. We're going with it. (laughs) Cinemagraphic. Hashtag that, would you? Cinemagraphic. Cinemagraphic. All right. Uh, staying in the realm of horror, uh, one thing that uh, Tony brought to my attention this uh, the last couple days, uh, one of our favorite horror franchises of all time, without a doubt, is Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I grew up with it. Uh, going back, watching some of them, yeah, some of it's cheesy. Uh, some are better than others, uh, but... You know, for, uh, nice hearing from you, Carlos. <laughs> Robert England has always been uh, probably one of the scariest movie monsters uh, ever with Freddy Krueger. And uh, Robert England recently was sitting down with... Uh, Freddy Krueger? I thought that was Jackie Earl Haley, man. That was, <laughs> that was my Freddy. No, that was the awful remake. That uh, <laughs> So glad they decided not to continue yeah. on with that. Thank God. <laughs> but uh, Robert England recently sat down for uh, Eli Roth's uh, History of Horror AMC uh, docuseries and was talking about, uh, you know, in this day and age, what he would do uh, to give a fresh spin to Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And reading it over, it actually sounds really interesting. Uh, what he said is, uh, you know, if I had an Eli Roth budget, I would have cast different actors to play Freddy for every potential victim. Because Freddy is only alive in the imagination of his uh, future victim, they would talk about it at a slumber party or in a locker room at school or on the bus going home. All we know about this Freddy Krueger is he wears a hat, wears a red and green striped sweater, and has clawed hands. That's the specifics. But he also said, you know, you could basically changes size, shape, race, clothes, face. Um, you know, it could be the red and green cardigan for one Freddy, could be an old tattered baseball cap for another. Freddy could be tall, he could be short, he could be overweight, he could be muscular. Every one of the victims could have a different Freddy they imagined, and you could haunt them with that Freddy. And then, uh, of course, you know, in true Robert England fashion, because he is his own best spokesperson, he added, uh, you know, a delightful twist in saying that uh, in the end, it would be the ultimate victim, and we see Freddy peel his face open, and maybe it's yours truly revealed, and it's the essence of Freddy. And so it would be Robert England in that final iteration of Freddy. Um, reading that tone, I mean, what's your take on, uh, oh. you know, what he would want to do with it? Put the franchise in this guy's hand. He is a creative genius. That is... What a fresh way to take that movie. You don't do what they did now back... Was it 2011 they rebooted, or was it 12? No. I want to say it was older than that. No, man, maybe it was 2010. Either way, the reboot they did had the potential to be scary. I remember being excited to see it, but then being very disappointed after seeing it. Not because the movie itself was bad. I mean, it was... It was. It had some dark tones, and it tried to be like the original Elm Street. But the problem is, is 
they the way Freddy looked was just terrible. Right, they tried ruined it. I know they tried to make him like a more realistic burn victim, which it it wasn't quite gory enough, uh, you know. And the other thing about Robert Englund's Freddy is that it had a a bit of humor to it, um, like almost an uneasy humor. Where uh, this one, they just went for dark, they just went for horror, and, and it just didn't work for me. No. It was 2010, by the way. Oh gosh, wow, eight years. I think it's time to come back. I think you take advantage while Robert England is still here. Um, smart, because he had a really good movie pitch for back then. Um, what he wanted to do was a prequel. And he wanted to play, you know, younger Freddy before he was, you know, Freddy Krueger. He wanted to be Fred Krueger and give the real origin story, not the cheap Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. Here's a quick, <laughs> his son of a thousand maniacs. But, uh, uh, dude. If, if they're able to do that, that's such a killer idea. Could you imagine the possibilities? Like, what would scare you the most? Like, what would your Freddy look like kind of thing, you know? Right. Like, would it be, like, you could take so many twists. Like, if you could take a hot girl, and all of a sudden she turns into, like, a scary Freddy or something? I don't know. Well, I guess they kind of did the, that kind of stuff. Like, they'd always play play on your thing when you're younger like you right know, the, hot Street, the hot nurse the hot nurse you're like yep. oh titties woo and then <laughs> then the damn tongues come flying out and it's all cheese ball and you're tied to a thing right but they could definitely prey on you know what scares people in the modern age you know it could be um something related to social media it could be you know obviously most of these took place in the 80s so uh, you know, what scared people then is a lot different from what scares people now. No. And, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think they need to reboot the series. I think they need to uh, get at least get him involved, not let the studio, uh, uh, you know, try and take over and, and make it something that it's not. And go back to that original essence of Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Because obviously with Wes Craven not being with us anymore, I think if you get this series in the hands of somebody that truly loved the franchise growing up even eli roth yes just give it to somebody that knows what to do um and and definitely i would definitely incorporate robert england somehow some way because i know if you involve him people are going to want to see this movie without a doubt because they'll know he's tied to it somehow he doesn't have to necessarily play freddy but if he's involved with it and he's giving input then that's that's a stellar, stellar way to reboot a franchise. Right. And he's well, lived he... this character for, I mean, almost 30 years. So um, who would know better than Robert Freddy Eagle. himself? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you could have Donald Trump Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> that might scare some people. It's huge. My claws, they're bigger than yours. <laughs> One, two, Trumpy's coming for you. I'm making a Sour Patch Kid face. Picture it. <laughs> Though I'm pretty sure half of the population uh, probably wouldn't go see that version of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I just thought it was funny. Yeah, and uh, we're not making any political statements here. We're just having some fun. That was just fun, yeah. <laughs> Don't get your patties in a water, Titch. All right, uh, moving on from true horror to uh, what may be a comic book horror uh, based on what we've seen recently is uh, Venom. So earlier today, 
they released the third trailer for Venom, uh, which comes out in October. And, I mean, this gives you more of an insight than what they've already shown you um, of not only the character, but the storyline and uh, Venom himself. You get a lot more Venom and, uh, you know, his interaction with uh, Tom Hardy, uh, Eddie Brock. And uh, just before starting to record this, we we rewatched the trailer again. I'm excited for it now. The first trailer was, yeah, you know, it may be okay. I'll check it out. But with this one, it looks really exciting. Yeah, this is the trailer they should have put out. I mean, they have the teaser trailer, you know, early. They should have let the the teaser go earlier this year and then kind of gone quiet. And then as the uh, summer blockbusters hit, you know, this is that trailer. I mean, it, it looks awesome. Yeah. It, look, it looks really awesome. So not only do you get a better look at Venom and his interaction with Eddie Brock, but you also get uh, a look at a female who has the symbiote. Um, no telling of who that character actually is, but sort of plays like a T-1000 type role in this. And then you also get a look at the end of the trailer at uh, Riz Ahmed's uh, symbiote uh, Riot as he faces off with Venom. And uh, it looks cool. It looks really good. And there's even some humor. Uh, again, at the very end of the trailer, stay to the end. Uh, you know, stay past where they reveal the name of the movie. And, uh, you know, you get some good humor with it as well. You and I can do whatever we want to do. Damn, that was a pretty good impression there, Tom. <laughs> Ooh, we tried one. We tried <laughs> All right, so yeah, and again, we'll post that up on our Facebook page, uh, Proton Pack Podcast. All right, uh, let's see. Moving from one Marvel uh, franchise, uh, even though it's Sony, to uh, other news on Marvel. Uh, we talked last week about uh, James Gunn being fired from uh, Marvel. You fired. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and then his role as sort of the mastermind of the cosmic uh, MC universe. And uh, over the last week, I mean, there's been people from both sides uh, who have been weighing in, but we got an open letter from the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. Basically, everybody involved who have put their support behind him have talked about, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy being a story of redemption, of these misfits who had checkered pasts, who came together and redeemed themselves. And that uh, that's not unlike the story of James Gunn, where you know he sent inappropriate tweets far beyond he you know when he was part of Marvel, and that he's grown as a director, he's grown as a person, and that um, you know the cast and the crew stand behind him, uh, trying to reinstate him uh, as their director. Yeah, I like what I really like about this too is it's. Um the whole just how the whole cast came together to to fill out this open letter and they all put it on their instagram and their facebook and social media um and they even said although you know we don't support james's inappropriate jokes from years ago he is a good man and we would love to see him reinstated as director of volume three please read the following statement and it's signed by chris pratt bradley cooper uh, Zoe Saldana, Vin Diesel, Sean Gunn, his brother, Dave Batista, Palm, 
Mantis. I'm not going to say her last name. I'm not sure it, so. uh, I wanted to see Mantis. you try. Uh, okay, I'm going to try it. Palm Clementif. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. Uh, Karen Gillian and Michael Rooker even signed it. So Yondu came back to sign, and he won't even be bought in three, and he signed it. Oh, well, spoiler alert. Oh, yes. <laughs> Guardians don't listen to the podcast. Um, yeah, so in any case, uh, you know, he has the backing of his cast and crew. Um, hopefully we'll see something happen. Uh, I'll talk about uh, here in an upcoming story in a couple minutes about one reason it may hold off for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'd like to see him back. Oh, I would too. And I think it makes sense. I mean, I get, you know, you said that stuff, but Disney knew what they, we could get back into it and we won't keep this a long discussion, but they knew what they were getting when they signed them up years ago. They knew it existed, right? It's not like it was blind and. No, like, no. And yeah. it wasn't something that just happened either. No. Yeah. Like, and that would be different. Like if he just said these words, then yeah. See ya, dude. Unfortunately you, you used the wrong platform to, to say that stuff and uh right and and he didn't and it's just so cool to me to read this letter um just how you know they they came together and just wrote about him and it's the entire staff i mean come on that's your entire that's the entire guardians of the galaxy right there and what i liked is karen jillian in her uh in her uh instagram post when she shared that you know her hashtag was we are grouped so <laughs> I like that. I like yeah, that, which is very cool. Very cool. So if you get a chance to read that open letter, um, it's on, uh, it'll be on our, uh, link at the proton pack podcast. And, uh, you can also go to Chris Pratt's Instagram or any of the following guardians of the galaxy members, if you'd like, or if you follow them already. Exactly. Yeah. All well, right. I was going to say, if you're going to follow a celebrity, definitely follow Chris Pratt on Instagram, man. He's, he's a good back. one to follow, yeah. He's hilarious. He's always got good stuff. So. Yeah, he and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Absolutely. Two of the best. But if you get a chance, those those dudes are definitely worth following. Yeah. <laughs> we actually that, so. <laughs> uh, Ryan Reynolds is sort of a nice segue to this next story. Um, Captain basically. Um, it was confirmed over let's see well yesterday that uh terminator the new version of terminator (laughs) has was that a nice fucking segue you'll see in a second you'll see in a second has officially started shooting with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger reprising his role as the T-800. The reason it's a segue is because it's being directed by Deadpool's Tim Miller. Okay. I I thought thought you were going a different segue. (laughs) I thought that was going to be a a different topic we were about to hit. Nope, nope. Definitely Terminator. Yeah, yeah. Terminator. I will terminate you with... I come back for the sixth installment of the Terminator series. And in this one, I am back with our John Connor. I am teaming up with Deadpool. <laughs> we're about to pull some fucking shit up. We will eat chimichangas. That's right. <laughs> I am more muscular than Cable could ever be. That Sucking. would be something to see. <laughs> Thanos. 
I was I took down the predator. What did you do? You snap your fingers, snap your neck. I don't think so. Dominator six. Do it. Do it now. Come on, Chris. Tell us all about Terminator Six. I'm dying to know. So it's Terminator Six, but it's really Terminator Two B. Yeah, they're basically getting rid of the whole Rise of the Machine, Salvation, Genesis. They're forgetting about those all together. Thank God. Yeah, no kidding. They Uh, suck. They were terrible. They're bringing back Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Um, And then you also get uh, Mackenzie Davis, Gabriel Luna. And, uh, of course, James Cameron is producing it, so uh, he's going to have a lot of input into it as well. Um, Have you seen the pictures of uh, Linda Linda Hamilton on set? No. I'm trying to bring it up, and it's just – it's terminating me. It's like, (laughs) if you you do not like Terminator, please do not follow. (laughs) But you do like Terminator, so. I do, yeah. Well, this is – it's crazy. I want to see uh, – I mean, I don't know. It's. I know Edward Furlong ain't doing anything, but that was my John Connor, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, and maybe he'll make a uh, appearance, and that'll be a nice surprise for the uh, the franchise. We are back. <laughs> Forget um, about Catherine Brewster. And don't think about the girl from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Linda Hamilton is back and she's buffer than ever. <laughs> she does look buff, but she's looking old too. So is so is Arnie. Well, I mean, I to be T- fair, they are old. I am the T eight hundred. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be neat to see uh, what sort of uh, antagonist they'll have in this movie. Um, how they can make it even better than T one thousand? Because again, that was the terminator bad guy that we grew up with that was just badass oh terminator 2 judgment day was one of the best freaking movies ever made man oh so good so good so uh way good yeah in any case they're filming now uh the film is scheduled to be released november 22nd of next year so you've got uh, a little over a year to wait before you see uh the terminator back i'll be back and this time, it'll be stranger than ever before, as we do a time warp again. See it <laughs> next year. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to take a little bit of a departure from uh, the news and talk about uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, we both had a chance to watch it and uh, you know, wanted to give sort of our insight Uh, The way that this Mission Impossible basically departs from all of the previous ones is that each previous Mission Impossible movie had a different director. Uh, That's not the case with this one. They brought back Chris McQuarrie from uh, uh, Rogue Nation. And uh, Chris McQuarrie went on record saying that he wanted to take the approach to this movie a little bit different from Rogue Nation uh, and make it seem like it was a different director who took it on. With that being said, sat through all 147 uh, minutes of the movie. It was a long-ass movie. And uh, I was happy with it. It was a great action movie. Um, brings back the characters that you know and love from Rogue Nation. Uh, brings back the main antagonist of, um, oh, what's his name? Um, 
Oh, Help me out here, Tone. Oh, sorry, sorry. The the villain on here. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Solomon Lane. 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 Solomon, Solomon Lane. Lane. Yeah. yeah. Brings him back. Um, great movie. Great action movie. With that being said, for me, uh, doesn't quite hold up to the last two, uh, Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, just in that the movies are all based around trying to overcome something that is impossible in a sneaky way and then you get sort of this big reveal at the end and you know they do a good job of keeping you on the edge of their seats um, in this one i think they made the reveal a little too early um, it didn't have that same flow to the end that uh, the previous ones had but at the same time a fantastic action movie the stunts the set pieces, the landscape were all awesome. Um, definitely recommend seeing the movie, but just go in knowing uh, that it's not going to give you the same sort of twists and turns uh, to the same degree that uh, the previous movies had. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment, man. Um, I I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was excellent. Um, I agree with you. With the reveal, was a little too soon and a little predictable. But yeah. I love I love that it tied to um, Rogue Nation, um, the last one. Uh, it was definitely action packed. The stunts are kick ass, man. And uh, you know Tom Cruise, he does a lot of his own stunts, so it doesn't feel you know so fake. It's it, there's some crazy stuff in there. I mean, it's action packed from the beginning to the end. Simon Pegg adds this just awesome comedy to every series since he came in the third one um i i think for me the mission impossible movies like each one kept getting better and better yeah it's like you watch it and you're like oh there's that one was so awesome and normally movies don't do that normally they kind of get stale and decline but uh certain franchises like i can think of of the fast and the furious like they hit the fifth one and all of a sudden it was like all new again and it was super awesome and and this one I, I felt was great, and I could see where you felt like it wasn't as good as the last, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And, and maybe I enjoyed it because I saw it in, uh, not to company name drop, but I went to uh, AMC, and then I went and saw it in their best screen, which is Prime. So you take, and the sound is supposed to be better than, they have Dolby. but AMC It's the Dolby has, Atmos system, right? Yeah. So this one's above the Dolby, though. Like, this has the extreme surround sound and the crystal clear high def picture so i saw it there in the super reclining seats that just eat you up and you felt every blast twist and turn you felt like you were in it so maybe i enjoyed it a little more because of all the explosions and sounds i was like oh <laughs> so but uh yeah absolutely recommend uh, mission impossible fallout it's it's a great movie great action good cast ensemble um I don't know what our rating system is going to be here on the Proton Pack podcast, <laughs> but we don't want to do this two thumbs up. That's the Siskel and Ebert method. No, um, no, we might be sued if we do that. Yeah, why don't we do this? Why don't you, you fans of the uh, Proton Pack podcast, what do you guys think we should do? I mean, we're just right this week on the fly. We're like, this is something Chris and I didn't talk about, like what our rating system is. When we when we did our metal podcast, it was like horns up, but this uh, <clears throat> right. Rotten fire. Tomatoes has splats and I don't know. 
Yeah, we don't do squats. Certified fresh and, you know. Uh, but. Maybe we'll tie something uh, Proton Pack-ish. Um, maybe just rank it out of a 10 this week, and we'll come up with a uh, pretty cool scale as we go. <laughs> maybe out of uh, 10 Stay Puffed Marshmallows. Who knows? Okay, yeah. So out of 10, what would you what would you give Fallout? I would give it a 7 out of 10. Cool. I'll go 8 out of 10. Highly recommend it. Nice. I like nice. it. I like it. Um, what do you, we have uh, a special guest that wants to chime in? He's, he's and, and it's he's, not my dogs who are losing no, their shit yeah, in the background. I apologize no. for that. No, I got this guy. He's, he's just he's passing through town. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Mr. Juan Pablo. Hey, Juan, oh, how you nice. doing? Today? What's going on, Juan? Oh, hi, Christian. Hi, Tony. I I come back. Uh, normally I do a lot of fun videos for the friends. Uh, the super friends they follow me, they don't really listen to their voice. Uh, but my name is uh, Juan Pablo. I'm friends of the Proton Pack podcast. Very cool dudes talk about movies and entertainment. But uh, they talk about Mission Impossible Fallout. I tell you that this movie was crazy good. Tom Cruise looking sexy as ever. He take on the Superman Henry Cavill. And then he team with the Ving Wames and the Riddle Simon Pegg. Oh, the action pack. Oh, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, all right, Juan. Whoa. Easy, buddy. <laughs> Easy. No, I tell you, I'm very excited to see this movie. Okay, they say uh, 8 out of 10, uh, 7 out of 10, I give it a uh, big sex at teeth, uh, no big deal, go see Mission Impossible, I gotta go to the bathroom, peace out Girl Scout, Proton Pack Podcast on rock, later Gators. All right. All right, Juan. Thanks, Juan. Yeah, that was a nice little uh, surprise. Yeah. That guy's a goofball. Jeez, man. He's got some white teeth. I tell you what, man. They're pretty sexy. They are sexy white teeth. Yeah, that yeah. is for sure. Little Juan Pablo. You know, maybe maybe if we're lucky enough, Tone, we can get him to uh, uh, record a video um, advertisement for our podcast, and we can put that up on our uh, Facebook page. You know, I'll have to ask him, hey, Juan, do you want to do some more for the show? He just, he flipped me off. Oh, okay. Oh, no, so, he's giving me a thumbs up, yes. Oh, oh, oh okay, good, good, good. Go pick your friends at the podcast! All right. Wow. So, uh, yeah, Mission Impossible, definitely go check it out. Uh, though you may not be able to check it out if you are a movie pass holder. What? Uh, <laughs> so uh, Tony mentioned that he went to see it at AMC. Has the AMC card? Uh, what's the program called with that? Okay, so there is this company, Movie Pass. They've been around for a little while. They've been kind of quiet. Um, I joined Movie Pass back in December of last year, and it and sounded I, like a fantastic oh, deal. I've been screaming from the mountaintops, like, "Oh my God, you guys got to get Movie Pass!" I paid a hundred bucks on Costco.com last year. Um, and, and the thing was when I signed up for movie pass, it, it's a subscription service as well. It was 10 bucks a month. Um, you could see any movie you wanted one a day, every day, if you wanted, um, too good to be true. Right. That's a hell of a deal. Totally awesome. Right. Like I was raving to you of raving to all my friends, dude, I was going to see movies left and right. Um, nonstop any theater. I had no problems with it. Um, basically, how the service worked was you had to download the app, 
they sent you a card that looked like a debit card and you would go to the movie theater you would check in not with facebook or anything but you check in with the movie pass app it would put credit on your card you'd go to the counter pay for your ticket bada bing bada boom you'd see a movie there was no restrictions like i could see i remember seeing black panther twice i think i saw um uh there was uh what's the other one i saw ready player one i saw like twice um I was able to use it a couple different times. Now, you couldn't use it on, like, 3D movies or IMAX or anything like that. Or um, you'd have to pay an upcharge, right? Yes, yeah, you'd have to pay an upcharge. Well, then all of a sudden, they started running some financial problems, and then they kept changing the rules of the game. And it's been like this the last couple months. It's been, uh, you can't do this, you can't do that. So what I mean by that is, all of a sudden, it went from easy to use to pain in the ass. Pain in the <laughs> ass being... You had to go to the theater, check in, which is already kind of a pain in the ass. And now in this day and age, most people like to book their seats from home. Um, I live right. at a lot of AMC theaters, and AMC and MoviePass do not get along. Most seats are reserved seats. So if you want to see a movie ahead of time, it's easy to book it. Because if you go down to the theater, odds are that movie is going to be sold out, or you're going to get the crappy upfront seats where you can't see the damn screen. Or you have to make time to get there early, leave, come back, and deal with that whole mess. Pain in the ass. So with MoviePass, they turned this thing in where not only did you have to go to the theater, check in, but now you have to submit a stub. You have to take a picture of your stub to prove that you went because people were selling off their tickets. So MoviePass was like, oh shit, we got to do this thing. Um, long story short, They've been having financial problems, and, and it's not a good business model. It really isn't. Uh, no, they, they lose money on every transaction. And they continuously to take loan upon loan upon loan, and some idiot keeps giving them loans. <laughs> like, I love the idea of the movie pass, and it started out great, um, but I don't think it's going to be around. It could be gone by next episode. It could. Because this last week, let me tell you, man um, – and they were having problems. You could not go see Mission Impossible. Most movies you couldn't even – didn't show up on the app. Um, I had problems like – so I went with my family on Sunday to see Hotel Transylvania 3 starting up. <laughs> Sandler and my least favorite actor, Kevin James. Um, I was like, no big deal. I'll use the movie pass. You know, I haven't used it in a while. It didn't work. It, you couldn't use it on Hotel Transylvania. You couldn't use it on anything but Teen Titans Go, which I would have loved to have seen it. But in the moment, that was the movie we were seeing was Hotel Transylvania, and it was like nowhere to be found. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> can't use MoviePass for that. And as I'm reading, is they they've it's not just been obviously not me, but all subscribers have had this problem over the last couple of weeks. They ran out of money ran out of money last week and got another loan for 6.2 million dollars oh yeah and did you hear today breaking news about four hours ago there was breaking news from the movie pass company they decided they're raising rates yep it's going to go to 14.95 per month now so 14.95 you can't see anything that's surge pricing surge pricing is if you want to see a movie that's really popular during that hour, you have to pay more money. So your movie pass might 
pay a chunk, but you have to pay the other chunk. Right. Um, or it'll warn you and say, there is no more screenings at this theater today. Um, it started out great. Um, highly disappointed with the way it's gone. And I do not recommend it to anybody at this point. And I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be an asshole. It started out great. And it was like, I don't want to come on our podcast and badmouth anybody. I think, you know, movie pass has been a wonderful thing for the first half of this year. And I think once Avengers infinity war dropped, all of a sudden it had mass problems. Like I couldn't use it on Avengers like the first week. And then it seems like every week they changed the rules. Right. It's like they're constantly like, oh, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's like, okay, so you're going to charge people now 15 bucks, people that weren't even subscribers, and you might not even be business by the end of the month. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I would pay $15 a month if they kept their same original program where you could see as many movies as you want. You could see first-run movies as they come out. Uh, it'd be okay to pay an upcharge for 3D or IMAX or anything along those lines. But they keep moving the target, and that's the problem. You know, Nobody wants to pay for a monthly service if they know that next month they're not going to be able to see what they want to see or if they're even going to be in business. Right. It's like kind of like being in a relationship with someone that can't commit. You're in or you're out. Right. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Like, how can I commit if you're not committing? And where they could have righted the ship is they could have partnered with a big company. Obviously, AMC wanted nothing to do with them because they wanted to do their own version of it. But they could have partnered with a big-time movie theater. Like, what's the big ones you guys have out in uh, Sparks? So we've got uh, Galaxy Theaters and then we've got Century Theaters. And the two programs that they each use um, are not worth it. Uh, with Century Theaters, you pay $8 a month and you get to see one movie a month at that price. And then for every other ticket that you buy with the program, uh, it costs just $8 a month. Problem with that is if you go to see a uh, matinee movie, uh, they only charge $5 for matinee movies. So why would I be paying $8 for one movie if I can see it for five? And then you also get a 20% discount on concessions, but uh, you know I typically don't buy the popcorn or soda or anything like that. So it really doesn't work for me. What sounds awesome is what you have is the AMC list, uh, a Stubbs A-list card, uh, but we don't have AMC out here. So that's awful. But the AMC A Plus is excellent. And this is the model where if if MoviePass wants to survive, they're going to have to do something like this. A, come up with a standard charge. Don't do 15 bucks. Charge 20 bucks, but commit to it. Pick something and don't, you know, quit getting the loans. Set your target. It's 20 bucks a month. You could see X amount of movies a week. Like if you want to still stay unlimited, stay unlimited. One-time showings. AMC A plus is awesome because you can see three movies a week or you can see the same movie three times. If you want, you can see it in any version you want. So you can see IMAX, you can see prime, you can see, you know, Dolby digital, you can see regular, whatever you want. You can nice. do it. You can also book it from home. So a uh, good example is mission impossible. I obviously during that review, I told you I saw it in prime. I booked it while I was at work. I knew I was going to go after work. I looked at what was available, picked my seat, put the ticket on my phone because I have the AMC app, and 
I walked right in, man. No problem. The only thing I had to do was show my ID. That's it. Your ID is tied to it, so that way I'm not like cheating the system and being like, oh, here's, I'm selling my ticket, you know. So AM, <laughs> AMC has the funding to back it. They're a big enough company that this is the right way to do it. That I think more theaters should look at doing that. Um, and it does suck for you know towns that don't have AMC's. Like Fort Collins, Colorado has one AMC, but it's a like a dollar fifty theater. So. Uh, it's a second run theater. Yeah, so it's not it's not one you're gonna want to get the pass for. That's where Movie Pass came into play because they are the same thing. They have you know Cinemarks and um, United Artists, I think, is what they got okay. there. So Movie Pass worked great for that in the beginning, but now you you can't even. They're talking about now you can't even see first run movies for two weeks. So like if you want to catch Mission Impossible, you have to wait another week before you could go use your movie pass and unfortunately that's just not what people signed up for you know that's changing the rules of the game constantly and it's not what people bought into and it's you know i don't i don't see it lasting i really don't but no with that being said a plus reviews for the a plus service for amc i hope other theaters jump onto something like that and uh for movie pass, I really hope they stay afloat, but I just do not see with as much money as they keep borrowing how that company is going to stay afloat. I just don't see it. Well, we'll see. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep everybody who's listening updated on what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, I was going to get my movie pass. I decided to hold off. Definitely glad I did. Uh, hopefully somebody comes out with something that is similar, uh, but that applies to the theaters that I can actually go to. Right. And I would say, you know, if they are able to stay afloat, you could try it. I know uh, two of my friends were subscribers and they just cut it off because it was a pay. It wasn't working at their theater in Nebraska. And it was just like, no, nope, we're not doing it. <laughs> and they and it worked for a while. But, you know, say lovey. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Speaking of staying afloat, um, uh, one company that has no problem with that is Disney. And uh, their shareholders just approved, uh, and the Fox shareholders just approved, the massive merger of Disney taking on 21st Century Fox. $71.3 billion. God, that's a lot of money. (laughs) That's where I thought you were going to transition to earlier with the Deadpool. Gotcha. Yeah, no, not quite yet, but uh, we got there. We got there. Um, So in any case... 99% of Disney's shareholders um, approved the merger. Now it has to go to the SEC for filing. It has to go to uh, the government. And uh, sort of going back a little bit to the James Gunn firing, uh, one of the things that Disney may do uh, if they plan on reinstating James Gunn is waiting until this merger finally comes through. Uh, James Gunn is a... Very outspoken uh, anti-Trump proponent, and so they may want to wait until the smoke clears a little bit before bringing uh, James Gunn back on. Uh, but that's sort of the next steps for Disney to officially uh, take hold of Fox. Now, you being Mr. Preppy, and I mean Prep is being well prepped before our podcast. <laughs> I not not Zach Morris Preppy. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Um, what? Go ahead and tell us uh, what are some of the properties um, that would 
uh, Disney be acquiring for the listeners? I mean, I know, but for our right. listeners, you know, since you have that badass radio voice. So <laughs> the biggest thing that I'm excited about are the comic book properties that are coming back to Marvel. Uh, Fantastic Four is one of those. As we all know, they put out a terrible reboot of that uh, just a few years back. Um, decided to cut the legs out from under that. And so now that's coming back to Disney, uh, to Marvel. Uh, but the biggest thing I'm excited about is uh, the X-Men franchise. Me too, finally. Yes. They're my favorite. So no more are the uh, Brian Singer-verse uh, X-Men going to be part of... Uh, the the canon uh, once they get past Deadpool which was just released that'll probably stay where it's at uh, with the creative forces and the people behind it they've got the new mutants coming out and then they've got Dark Phoenix saga coming out that's essentially going to be the last of the Brian Singer verse uh, X-Men from there it's all in Marvel's hands and as you know what Marvel can do with these characters, what they can do with tying it into the Marvel Universe. Um, it's really going to be exciting. Oh, I'm very excited. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, I think it's a good time to bow out with the Brian Singer um, X-Men's. I know they're having trouble with Dark Phoenix. Um, they're having a lot of reshoots and a lot of issues. There's even talk they might even cancel both, which doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um but uh, I think they both will see the light of day. I hope. I want to see the Dark Phoenix, but it kind of worries me a little bit. Like they're having so many issues with it going in. Yeah, my guess is that they're going to sort of rush to put them out. Um, they're not going to put the same sort of effort that they had previously into them. Just to get them out, make some money on them, and then start from scratch. Yeah. I think you probably scratched New Mutants at this point. It's not going to go anywhere. No, no. I don't see a, a sequel coming to it. Uh, though the premise of it is pretty interesting in the fact that it is a horror take on the X-Men franchise. Um, might be a good just standalone and see what they do with it from there. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely thrilled that X-Men are coming back home to Marvel. Uh, now, some of the other things that... Uh, Disney is picking up, which is a little strange, is uh, they now own Alien franchise, they now own the Predator franchise, and they now own the Simpsons as well. That's so weird. The Simpsons are Disney now. So strange. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Obviously, uh, there's a new Predator movie coming out uh, here sooner than later. Um We'll see if they continue that franchise as it stands or if they decide to reboot it. Uh, the other thing that's kind of neat is um, on the Star Wars front, when Lucasfilm was bought by Disney, they didn't get the rights to the first three movies, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Those stayed with Fox. And now they will have the rights to those. And maybe we'll see a re-release that's not the uh, George Lucas uh, uh, CGI re-releases that we got uh, back in the 2000s. Oh, that would be awesome. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned on uh, how that merger's going. Uh, there's going to be a lot of exciting news to come out of that. Um, one thing I'd love to see, 
as we get further into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as X-Men is folded into that, is the A versus X storyline. Uh, it's a storyline from four or five years ago, um, but uh, that would be great to see up on the big screen. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with a lot of their edgier content, since Disney doesn't like to put their name on a lot of that. Um I know, like, the TV shows, like, on FX, like Legion or, or, or even Fox with The Gifted. You almost wonder what's going to happen mm. with those. So some interesting times ahead. Um, there is going to be some bad with it for sure. I know as us nerds, we're definitely excited for the geeky stuff like X-Men and um, – Even Fantastic Four. Yeah, like, what are they going to do with uh, with uh, Deadpool? I'm, I'm super curious with that. Like, I know um, – that Ryan Reynolds like they'll, they'll, I, you would imagine they would keep that all intact but who knows right I think they will um, you know they didn't have any issues with the last two Deadpool movies obviously they made a ton of money um, I think they'll let Ryan Reynolds sort of work out uh, the rest of Deadpool um, and see how they fold that into uh, what's supposed to be an X-Force movie coming out perfect well some exciting times ahead for sure <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of Smithers. speaking of X Men, uh, moving from the film universe over to the comic universe. Um, as most people know, the X Men were sort of phased out from Marvel Comics uh, to make way for their more cinematic properties. Um, because Fox owned the rights to X-Men and they couldn't do much with it. They couldn't create cartoons. They couldn't create the movies themselves. Well, with everything that's going on now, uh, back last week at San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel announced that they are going to debut a, a, a series of comics that are one-shots, uh, one-off stories uh, called X-Men Black, starting with Magneto Number 1, written by Chris Claremont. Um, if you're a fan of the X-Men comic franchise, you certainly know that name. Uh, he was the mastermind behind Days of Future Past. Uh, they're going to follow that up with one-shots of Mojo Number 1, Mystique Number 1, Juggernaut Number 1, and Emma Frost Number 1. Um, which in their own right are exciting news to begin with. But after that was announced, Marvel then said in November, they are going to bring back the comic book line, Uncanny X-Men. Awesome. If you are a comic book fan, if you're an X-Men fan, is huge news. Uh, it is, I mean, probably one of the longest running uh, comic book series in the world was the uncanny x-men before marvel let it go and uh, it's coming back now there's not a whole lot of information on uh, who's going to be in it who's going to be a part of it uh, or even who's going to be writing or drawing it but uh, just the fact that they're announcing that it's coming back is wonderful right and well on the teaser image with uh, magneto with the big with the eyes lit up and the teeth and you could see the you could see the uncanny X-Men in his helmet. Oh, man. Yep. I know it's just a and, teaser, but it, but it looks killer. And Tony actually sent me the teaser of the logo, which is the, you know, the 90s logo that we know and love. And at first, I thought they were coming back with a new cartoon series, which would be awesome. Hopefully, they still do. But uh, 
just the fact of knowing that uh, they're coming back to the comic books uh, should sell well and should excite a lot of fans. Yeah, it's uh, I'm just happy the X-Men, unfortunately, because Disney, you know, they own the Marvel Universe. The X-Men have kind of just been buried back there like they've been taken out of, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of video games, as you are. And one of my favorite fighting games is Marvel versus Capcom. And, yep. and uh, in this last installment, they drilled it more for the MVC universe, and it stuck to mainly people you would see in just Marvel movies. And the X-Men were nowhere to be found, and it sucks because the X-Men are such a huge part of the Marvel universe. It's kind of like, eh, they don't exist. And and they disappeared. It's The comics went away, the, the re, you know references of them and everything. So now that with Disney buying you know merging with fox i mean them to finally be back in the forefront is awesome so yeah and marvel sort of hedged their bets on the inhumans becoming the next x-men for them and it it didn't pan out it did you know so uh it'll be cool to see that uh, the x-men are coming back and they can start saying mutants again instead, right instead of gifted <laughs> What do they use for Scarlet Witch? Like, and that was one of the crazy things too. So Scarlet Witch was in, you know, uh, the uh, Age of Ultron and right uh, and Quicksilver too. Quicksilver, yeah, and, and those are uh, Magneto's kids, but they don't reference that, you know. Right, they couldn't at the time. Yeah, but now it's cool. Now I now I do wonder if you bring back Quicksilver. I think you got to keep Brian Singer's Quicksilver. He's badass. <laughs> he he was definitely better than uh, than the Marvel uh, universe version yeah, of it. Better than Aaron Johnson's version for sure. Right. Yeah. But we'll see where it goes. Uh, a lot of neat stuff on the horizon. Absolutely. Uh, so Absolutely. you know, it it's a good time to be a comic book fan. It's good time to be a pop culture fan, and uh, it's good time to listen to our podcast about being a comic book and pop culture fan. Yeah, we. We appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, we are about out of time here. Um, yeah, we covered a lot on this episode. Uh, you know, moving forward, some may have more, some may have less. Uh, obviously, on the ones that have less, we'll dive a little bit deeper into some of those things. But uh, we certainly appreciate you guys listening. Please follow us on social media. Uh, again, facebook.com forward slash pot. <laughs> I knew I was going to do it. Yeah, the Proton Pack Podcast. It's Triple yeah. P. Yeah. <laughs> Proton Pack Podcast. No the at the front. Um, and you'll know it's us from the uh, green ectoplasm uh, logo. We're also on Instagram, getting a lot of good reaction, a lot of good followers there. Again, Proton Pack Podcast. And uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think, what you like, what our rating system should be. And uh, we'll keep uh, listening to your feedback. Yeah, and please let us know. We will cover other things in future episodes we said that episode one and unfortunately i gotta be somewhere so i have to bail so i had to cut out the video game segment this week we'll talk talk about that stuff next week but we will talk all things comics pop culture fun discussions if there's things you want to hear let us know if there's suggestions if you didn't like juan pablo let us know he he doesn't care he's he's just happy to be on the air so um, I like Womp Pop. Yeah, we we like he's we're fans of the of his little skits, so we'll see. Um but yeah, <laughs> we're we're just happy to be doing this. Thank you so much for the support and uh please 
any feedback is good feedback. So until then, uh, that's all I got to say about that. We'll see you next time. Later, Gator!